When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Football is back, everybody. Week one edition of First and Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson, getting you primed and ready for Patriots Dolphins. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go. First of all, before we get started, you know what to do. Make sure you download, subscribe, listen on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at KDThompson5 on Twitter and follow the show account at First and Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O. Let's get into it. I want to give you a little bit of a scouting report, something I'm working on for WEEI.com. I'm going to give you some thoughts here, uh, you know, a little bit maybe more fleshed out perhaps even than some of the stuff, all right? So that's why you got to listen to the podcast. Like I said, a little bit of a scouting report here on the Miami Dolphins and some things for the New England Patriots to look out for. Obviously, the Dolphins swept the season series last year with the Patriots. They won in week one in Foxborough and then won in week 18 down in Miami. Things were a little flipped this year. The home game in Foxborough is going to be later in the year, and I think that could benefit the Patriots playing potentially a cold weather game down in Foxborough. But that obviously means week one this year, they're starting out in Miami this time around. And Bill Belichick has decided to take the step of taking the team out there early. They got him out there on Tuesday to get acclimated to the weather beforehand. Some people kind of looking at that as a as a desperation move. Like, oh my goodness, this team's so, so bad. Like, they, they need to do any possible thing for a competitive advantage. And like, you know, they didn't have to do that when Brady was here because they were just going to go in and own the Dolphins and all that. You know what? I don't know how much of, of that is true. I mean, I guess you could say, oh yeah, like if we knew we were going to beat the Dolphins anyway, would we care? Um, at the same time, they lost a good number of times going down there and playing in Miami. Even when Brady was around, they had a very kind of weird stretch of, of losses there and kind of troubling games. But here's what I think. When you look at the scheduling of it, this just is the perfect time to try something like this. If you're going down to Miami for the last game of the season or, or you know, second to last game of the year or whatever, 
you've already had, what, 16, 17 weeks of established routine that, I mean, why would you break that? All of a sudden, the guys are, are beat up. You're trying to get to the end of the season. Maybe you've got a playoff spot already locked up. And then, okay, let's go ahead and throw a wrench into the normal plan, and we're going to go out there on Monday or Tuesday instead of fly, instead of practicing at home and doing everything at our own facility and then just flying out on Saturday. This just happens to work out where you get to go to Miami for week one. It's almost, in, in a way, an extension of preseason. It's almost like a joint practice, like that joint practice week that they just had with the Raiders, minus the fact that there were joint practices and... This week is week one of the regular season. But you can toy around with things like that if you want to go down there five days early, get acclimated to the weather conditions, the humidity that's down there. And by the time you get to game time, it doesn't feel as crazy because you've been practicing in it for a couple of days. You you get used to it. You're not going to be thinking about it probably and talking about it. During the game, it's just going to be like, you know what? Okay, cool. Let's go. Let's work. And they've also practiced in that heat down in Las Vegas, though some will point out is a little bit of a different kind of heat, more of a desert heat than, you know, a down by the sea heat. At the same time, if it's hot, it's hot. So I think that the Patriots have had a little bit of acclimation to that. Now that we got the forecast out of the way, let's talk about the actual football. And one of the things that I want to bring up here is all the talk about Tyreek Hill offensively. Yes, Tyreek Hill is wildly fast. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL, and he has definitely put a hurt on the Patriots in the past, especially when they they were first playing against him and figuring out a game plan for him. I believe he had 275 receiving yards in his first two meetings against the Patriots with like four touchdowns. So he definitely did some damage against New England. In the last two times they played Tyreek Hill as a member of the Chiefs, mind you, he put up 126 yards and has only one touchdown in that span. So whatever they've been doing has apparently been working as far as making sure he's not going off against them. I believe he's only had like 62 and 64 receiving yards in his previous two contests after going off for more than 130 receiving yards in the first two times that he played them. Whether that's you know, doubling him down the field or giving giving safety help over the top or, you know, Jonathan Jones being the quote-unquote Tyreek Hill stopper, just like having him trailing Tyreek Hill down the field because he does so well with speed receivers. Whatever reason or whatever strategy that they've been using has been working. And I expect that they're going to throw different waves of things at Tyreek Hill on Sunday as well and when they play him in the future. One thing that I noted and a lot of people noted was that Jonathan Jones was traveling with Tyquan Thornton when Thornton was in the lineup still throughout preseason. You know, like in, in that uh, you know, more oh, walkthrough, like kind of fast walkthrough-ish practice that they had in the stadium, um, you know, early in, in training camp. That was kind of when, oh, okay, like this is interesting. Jonathan Jones is going wherever Ty, Tyquan Thornton goes. Were they getting him ready essentially to say, look, Wherever Tyreek Hill goes, you go. I'm curious to see if that's how they play it or if they're just going to go ahead and roll with just sides, right? So it's like if if Tyquan Thornton ends up on the right side and Jalen Mills is over there, they're just going to stick with that and adjust however. Well, we'll see how that goes. But I think that more, almost more importantly here, like, yeah, you can't let Tyreek Hill beat you. 
But you can't focus so much on Tyreek Hill that it's like, okay, cool. Uh, let's let Jalen Waddle go ahead and torch us. And, I mean, Waddle is, is not that much less explosive than Tyreek Hill. He's extremely dangerous. And he has a touchdown catch in both of his contests against the Patriots so far. And yeah, they were, they were shorter passes, right? They're not like he's like burning them down the field with it. Um, though he did have one downfield catch in week one last year. But that was arguably more to do with the, the way their offense functioned than it did with the fact that Waddle can't do it. Because he absolutely can. He's scary. Okay, his yard his yards after catch ability is kind of terrifying. Then you got Cedric Wilson as another receiving option. Mike Gesicki, the big tight end. I mean, they're using him, I think, a little bit more in a tight end role this year than he's been in the past. And that's something he's talked about, the fact that he was essentially just a big receiver. But he can also just be a big receiver whenever you want him to be. Then there's the running game, which, I mean, last year they were rolling in week one with Miles Gaskin as their starting running back. And he's not somebody who terrifies you at all. Later on in the season, they brought in Duke Johnson and he ran all over the Patriots. Like that was actually a little bit frustrating and embarrassing that you're getting run all over by Duke Johnson, who is a, he's on a practice squad right now. Like he's not even on a 53 man roster, I don't think. Now they've got Chase Edmonds, who's been a good back in this league with the Arizona Cardinals and Raheem Mostert, who's coming over from San Francisco, where he played under new head coach Mike McDaniel. Raheem Mostert in particular, he is scary because he's got major track and field speed. So if he gets out in the open and he gets a step on you, that's probably it. You're probably done. I don't know if anybody on the field is going to be catching him. So you have to be aware of him when he's in the game, both as a, as a receiving threat and as an outside zone running threat. And yes, the Patriots have had plenty of practice against wide zone stuff this fall and or this summer, and they've done pretty well with it. But you wonder how much of that is just the fact that the Patriots offense didn't know what they were doing. I don't know that they're going to get that same luxury with the Miami Dolphins. Then on top of that, you think about, okay, when they, when they fake that outside zone and they go with bootlegs and such, then you've got Jalen Waddle potentially leaking into the flat or Mike Gesicki getting open down the field. Like there are a lot of troublesome things in this offense. And then there's Tyreek Hill, right? So the Patriots defense is going to have its work cut out for it no matter what happens, even if Tyreek Hill's not going off. So just because you look at the final stat line and you say, oh, Tyreek Hill only had 50 yards receiving, that doesn't mean you're going to win. You know what I mean? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can just pencil that in because they've got a lot of things going on on offense. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this Miami Dolphins offense looking a bit more like a well-oiled machine than the Patriots does during week one. With that in mind, I think that there are some things about Tua Tangovailoa that you can attack. In particular, okay, yeah, there's the the rap on him that he can't throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have a great arm. He's kind of got to put everything he's got into it. And even then, it's not always going to look terribly pretty. At the same time, it's not that he absolutely can't throw the ball down the field. It's just that I think he prefers to keep things short and quick. That's what he did last year. That's when he was at his best, honestly, was just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let him rot. Does that sound familiar? Because that sounds familiar to me. It sounds a lot like what Mac Jones can do, though I think that Mac Jones has a better deep ball, in theory, than Tonga Vailoa. But there's also something else to this. So digging into this a little bit, and and it's not surprising, given that Tua is left-handed, 
but he is kind of abysmally bad at throwing the football to his right. I mean, like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe any quarterback is more comfortable throwing towards the side of their handedness, right? You know, let like in in two his cases, a lefty, so he's thrown the ball much better to the left side than he does to the right. Mac Jones, if you looked at his passing grid, you probably see that he throws the ball better to his right than to his left. But like, I mean, Tua's had some real issues throwing the ball to his right. In particular, I think six of his, I think seven of his ten interceptions have come when he's thrown the ball to the to either the center or the right side of the field. And you look at some of these passing quadrants, like I looked at Next Gen Stats, he's bad at throwing the ball intermediate center, or he was last year. He was bad throwing the ball intermediate center last year, and he was horrifically bad throwing the ball intermediate right. Like, he really struggled over there. And that's actually uh, a couple of places, like intermediate right and deep right, where he threw one interception to the Patriots on a throw to his intermediate right last year. That was the one where he was rolling out, and he gets clobbered by Matthew Judon, and John Jones tips it up and picks it. And then he also th- almost threw one to Devin McCourty last year where, you know, he's holding the ball, holding the ball and, you know, kind of scrambling a little bit, throws it down the field, almost throws it right into McCourty's arms. That could have been a big play. Would have liked to see him come down with that, alas. And that's not to say that Mike McDaniel hasn't worked on that with him, like whatever mechanical issues or you know, what have you that have contributed to some of his issues throwing that way. But, I mean, most likely what they're going to do is they're going to try and set up throws to Tango Bailoa's left and, you know, maybe give him an easy one here and there to the right side you know, on, a, on a boot action or something like that and see what he can do going, going to the right. But generally, if you make him hold the football, and I think that's going to be a big key here because, yeah, I mean, you, you want to, you know, blitz and get pressure and, and get home and make him make a mistake, but... Tango Bailoa also loves getting the ball out of his hands fast, and he had games last year where he was shredding teams against the Blitz because he was like, okay, fine, you're going to Blitz me, I will find my one-on-one matchup, boom, don't have to think about it very much. So you have to kind of be careful with with doing that. You want to get as much pressure as you can with four people or throw a zone Blitz at him or something like that, drop some guys into coverage, confuse him a little bit, make him hold the football, make him move around in the pocket, and potentially have to roll out to his right and make a throw that way. Whatever you can do to get him away from his comfort zone, that's what you got to do. I think that's one area that if they can set up their coverage in a way that you know makes him have to go to his backside, that could be beneficial and maybe create some turnovers for you. On the offensive side of things, I think it feels kind of academic at this point. The Dolphins are probably going to blitz the hell out of the Patriots on Sunday. Last year, during week one against Mac Jones, they blitzed him 47.5% of the time. Literally almost half of their snaps, they were sending extra men at Mac Jones. And Jones responded pretty well. I I believe the statistics were 14 of 18 for 124 yards against the Blitz. In, In his rookie debut, by the way, like his regular season NFL debut, that's pretty good stuff. Of course, he... Got whacked a couple of times, uh, but he stood in there and, and he did pretty well. That was then, though, and I think that the offensive line and really the entire offense hasn't looked nearly as steady as you would hope, and that kind of casts some doubt on whether or not they're going to be able to hold up quite the same way. And then there are things like, 
in the Raiders game in preseason three, the Raiders sent a slot blitz off the right side. And I don't know whether it was the running back not getting it because it looked like the running back was releasing up the middle. So I don't know that that was the running back's responsibility. Or if it was just Isaiah Wynn straight up not seeing this guy screaming off the edge. But there was a free runner on Mac Jones just off a off a corner blitz. And I feel like if you're looking at that as the Miami Dolphins, you're thinking, oh yeah, we're going to send all the defensive backs at Mac Jones. We are going to try and exploit that whenever we can. And Bill Belichick has, has talked about Miami and saying that they blitz their defensive backs more than almost anybody in the league. And, you know, they still have the same defensive coordinator as they did last year and Josh Boyer. I think that looking at the Patriots offensive line, I mean, so there's, you've got your tackle switched now. So Trent Brown is over on the left. Isaiah wins over on the right. Cole Strange, rookie left guard. I feel like they're going to be looking at those areas in particular, the tackles and Cole Strange over on the left side and thinking, you know what, we can probably take advantage of some of that right there and and scheme up some pressure whether it's you know linebacker and scheme some pressure linebackers or or corners coming or safeties coming whatever it happens to be get Mac Jones sped up and basically trust our quarterbacks to you know clamp down on those receivers that you know we think maybe aren't necessarily that good and we don't know that we are that worried about getting beat by them in one-on-one situations. And if we can make Mac Jones hold the ball, just have a second of uncertainty, like a half second of uncertainty, you can get to him, hit him hard, maybe get the ball out or force an errant throw that we can get to. Conversely, though, that means it's on Mac Jones and on these receivers to be on the same page, know when to get the ball out of your hands quickly. There are a couple of good instances of that where, uh, you know, for example, in preseason week two, where they got Nelson Aguilar on, you know, just a nice little hot route for a first down on the one touchdown drive they had against the Panthers during that that second preseason week, where Aguilar knows the slot blitz is coming. Boom, there you go, easy completion. And even some of the RPO game could help with this. And I, I feel like that's something it, that would be great to see them check to is if you see a slot corner coming and you know you can just run an RPO, get a quick completion out there on a bubble screen and just pick up a couple of yards. That's an easy way that you can punish a blitz. It's like, okay, you want to send pressure? Then I'm just going to throw it right where you aren't and we're actually going to design a play. Like it's not even just like, okay, yeah, hot route or whatever, but we are going to we're going to run a play off of this, get you sucked in even more on a potential run fake. And then hit you up on the outside with with a you know just a quick slant or bubble screen or what have you. So I'd be interested to see if they if they might throw a little RPO game at Miami just to make things a bit easier for Mac Jones to you know help him think a little bit less, get the ball out of his hands. But then there's also the idea like, hey, if you see one on one, you know, cover one situation where they're gonna they're gonna be bringing in an extra man here, and you get Nelson Aguilar on the outside or you think you like what you see with Jacoby Myers on a slot fade, then I think you start trying to punish them down the field for doing this and for for playing that kind of defense. Because I think that's going to be the next step for Mac Jones. If you're going to have defenses trying to prey on you with the blitz and be like, you know what, we're going to get in your face, we're going to hit you and make you throw it short and tackle you short of the sticks and all that. Then the next step is going to be, okay, well, I got Nelson Aguilar on the outside, and I know that he can beat you down the field. I'm going to hit him with a quick fade down the sideline like they did in preseason week two. Or, 
Okay, Jacoby Myers, slot fade. That's something that Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers loved doing last year. If they got that one-on-one -on -one matchup in the slot, you see him do that little alert, alert. A lot of times that signified, okay, I got man coverage. You know what to do. And that was very often what they did. They had a good rapport on that. And then you've got the possibility of, again, Kendrick Bourne or, you know, Devontae Parker. Hey, hey Devontae, you know, I, I want you to go make a play right here. I'm going to put it up or I'm going to throw it back shoulder. Go make me a play. Get it out of your hands. And then there's obviously Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Try to get them involved as well. On top of that, though, while we're talking about the defense, kind of the last point, whatever you do, New England Patriots and Mac Jones, do not test Xavier Howard any more than you have to in this game. There's, there's actually no need for it, okay? Because Byron Jones, the number two corner for the Dolphins, is on the reserve pup list. He's out for the first four weeks of the season, which means, obviously, he won't be playing in the season opener. And they have had a rash of, of nicks and bruises in that cornerback room, meaning that, I mean, you could see a bunch of shuffling and guys kind of, you know, backups playing or guys playing out of position. For example, you go look at the, the Dolphins' depth chart right now. They've got Nick Needham, who is typically a slot cornerback. That's where he played the majority of his snaps in the last two seasons. They've got him listed as the primary outside corner right now with Byron Jones out. And then that means you're going to see maybe, you know, Keon Crossan as a as a backup or playing on the outside or in the slot. There are so many questions right now about what the Dolphins are going to do opposite Xavier Howard that I honestly feel like you should just be going opposite Xavier Howard all day, okay? Because Howard isn't just a tough cornerback in one-on-one -on -one coverage and, you know, an elite playmaker when, you know, the ball's in the air when when he's, you know, locked up with a guy. When he's in off coverage, he's dangerous. That's how he swiped Mac Jones in, in zone coverage. It wasn't his man when Jones was making that short throw to Jacoby Myers in week one last year on that first drive. But Howard was playing a short zone. He just jumped off and picked it and took it back to the house. And so you you got to be aware of where he is and what he's doing all the time. And I think that, for example, if he's going to take somebody like Devontae Parker and he's going to cover him then that works. You might as well just go to Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, and Kendrick Bourne all day long, okay? Because that's what Devontae Parker's there for. Go ahead and eat up a good matchup and know that he's, you know, arguably the, the guy with the most pedigree on the team. He's got the most receiving yards in a single season out of any of those guys. So you're thinking, okay, we should, we should definitely look out for Parker. Otherwise, he might be beating us down the field. We know this guy. We know what he can do. He played here all these years. So I think the situation is ripe for a day where like a, like a Jacoby Myers or a Nelson Aguilar could have a big game, as well as, you know, one of, the, one of the tight ends. I mean, most likely Hunter Henry, but, you know, maybe this is a, a Jonu Smith game where you try to get him going or what have you. The point is, though, you have matchups on offense that you can exploit. Don't go at the one guy who could ruin your day. I mean, really, he's the best player on that defense. Throwing the ball his way more than like once or twice or what have you is probably malpractice. Honestly, I don't know that I would even do it once when you look at some of the, the options that they have at cornerback and other places. So I would hope that Mac Jones and the Patriots will play it safe and play it smart and do what the Dolphins are going to do, which is attack the weak links wherever they are. 
Make sure you're tuning in throughout the rest of the week. I'm going to have more coverage leading up to Sunday's game. More players to watch for the Patriots, who needs to step up. I'll have that for you tomorrow. And then going to try and hear from behind enemy lines on Friday leading up into the game. Hoping that'll be kind of the schedule of how we do things Wednesday, Thursday, Friday leading up into these games. And then and then obviously on Sunday, I'm going to have some more content for you as well when the game is done. That's all for this one. I'm Kyrie Thompson. This is First in Foxborough. Till next time.